you have your copy of God's Word, turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and 12, but mainly 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read a little bit about chapter 11, but um, obviously Brother Doug is not here and uh, asked me to, to fill in for him. He is on vacation, so lift him up and help and ask God to help him relax and have a good time. You know, God created the earth in six days, and what did he do on the seventh day? Rested. Now, did God need to rest? No. Everybody say no. But he did that for us as an example because we need rest and our bodies need rest. And, and, uh, and so Doug is doing that. And I appreciate him and I pray you'll, you'll continue to pray for him and the rest of our church staff. Trey is also gone. He's um, doing a camp for a friend of ours, a winter camp or a summer camp for them. Um, did everybody get a handout this morning? Not, maybe a few of y'all did, but if you would flip over the back of that where it says our history. You see that? Now I'm going to read this because I want to kind of use it to, to springboard into today's message and what I feel like the Lord wants us to hear from him. Um, it says on the back there, our history. In June of 1953, a tent was placed in a lot on Cloverdale Road for the purpose of conducting a revival. The following month, on July 5th, a meeting was held on that same spot or that same lot for the purpose of forming a new church. It was during this meeting that Underwood Baptist Church was born. Praise the Lord, right? So thankful for those that went before us and, and paved the way for that. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. And, uh, and just, you know, that's three days from now on June the 5th. But uh, in, also in conjunction, I think it's kind of neat that our church anniversary and our country's anniversary is really close. And um, we have... So much to be thankful for and so much to be grateful for, not only for our country, but also this church that God has put in our path and that you're here this morning. You might or might not be a church member, but if you ain't, you should be. Uh, we have an amazing church here, and, and we're so grateful for uh, how this church had over. And I, again, I, one of our secretaries, Peggy, I went to her earlier in the week or last week and said, Peggy, I need some stats. I need some really cool, mind-blowing statistics that, we can, that I can read to these people to say we've had so-and-so number of baptisms in the 70 years. We've had so many, so many uh, VBS, whatever, in the 70 years we've been a church. We've had, you know, this many memberships and this many mission trips, this much offering, and um, it's too much to ask, okay? And, and we don't have all the records to go back that far, by the way. Um, we got some, but I'm going to read some things to you, and they're not numbers specifically. But I want you to be thinking as I read these things to you about all that God has done in the 70 years that this church has been established. Now, did man establish this church? God did. God established this church. And uh, I'm going to read a few things here. In the last 70 years, God has allowed this church to be a light in the community, right? Countless children have been taught God's word in Sunday school, at VBS, at kids camp. Tons of young people have responded to the gospel and surrendered their life to Jesus as the Lord of their lives. Married couples have been challenged to, to faithfully raise their families under God's word through Underwood Baptist Church. Men and women have been trained to, to walk with God and faithfully serve him on mission trips and in their communities, in their workplaces, in their homes. Thousands, if not tens of thousands of souls have been reached through the ministry of this church, have been, have been told the good news of Jesus Christ through the ministry of this church. People have received freely the offering of forgiveness, salvation. Wow, right? I wish I had some really cool numbers to give you, but it didn't matter. The whole point is that God has used this church. And God, only, God himself only knows how many recommitments have been made at this altar or, or in the pews over the 70 years. 
God only knows how many prayers have been lifted up for the for lost family members, for sick people, for hurting people. God only knows how many songs of, of praise have been lifted up on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, revivals, VBS, kids camp, youth camp, right? God only knows how many millions of dollars have been given in tithes and offerings to build buildings, to turn on the lights, to pay staff, to send missionaries to do the work of the Lord. How many, God only knows how many men and women and children have walked through these doors ready to hear from God Almighty to be guided in their life through the word of God, through the spirit of God, to do what God has for them to do. Aren't you thankful? Can I hear a hearty, loud amen? amen? Praise God for Underwood Baptist Church and all he's doing here. And I'm so blessed and thankful to be a part of it. And so many sacrifices and so many uh, people have given their time, energy, and resources so that we could be here today. And, and as I was preparing that and thinking through that and trying to come up with some, some stats I believe God took me to a passage here in Hebrews 11. And I want you to remember, there's, I've got a bad memory, and, and I wish I could. But in Hebrew, whenever someone says Hebrews 11, you ought to immediately think the Hall of Faith. Everybody say Hall of Faith. You know, we have the Baseball Hall of Fame, Football Hall of Fame, whatever. Hebrews chapter 11 is a list kind of sort of, and not everyone, but of, of people, men, women that have been faithful to God. And by faith, God used to do great things. So if you want to kind of, I'm going to throw a few verses at you, but I can't, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. But in Hebrews chapter 11, we see people like Enoch. Enoch was a man that was taken up, never saw death. He was taken up by God. And in verse 5 of that chapter, it says, Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Enoch had faith. It goes on in chapter 11 to talk about the faith of a man named Noah. You ever heard of him? That's some faith. We were at the Creation Museum and, and the Ark last week, or well, I guess that was the week before last, with our students. Wow. Raise your hand if you've ever been to the Ark. Okay? Blowing your mind, right? The thing is, when you see it on TV and you see, you read the Bible, how that thing is, that's some faith. God called him and he was obedient. He obeyed God. We read about Abraham and his wife, Sarah, who, who through faith, God said, go. They didn't where they were going. They went. And God used them uh, to do great things, to set up the, um, the, the Jewish faith, and by faith, Abraham laid his own son, Isaac, the promised one, right? Laid him on an altar, raised his knife, ready to slay his firstborn son, his only son, the only son that, that God had called him to give, or given him, and God stopped him and said, whoa, 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 just want to see if you were willing to, to trust me and provide a ram and a thicket for him to slaughter. By faith, we read about Isaac in this chapter, and Joseph, and Moses, Pretty big dude, right? Moses, come on, right? He had some faith, part of the Red Sea, led millions through the, through the wilderness. We hear about Rahab, these people who obeyed God, and God used them for great things. I'm going to read verses, if you want to read there with me, verses 32 through 34. I want to read this because it kind of sum, summarizes what we just said, but it also gives an account for some other things. Um, the writer of Hebrews, by the way, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but I kind of think it was Paul, but we'll see when we get to heaven, because <laughs> it doesn't say. All right, so in verse 32, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith, everybody say faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, 
put foreign armies to flight. Wow. By faith. They lived by faith, as, the, as did the people that came before us for the last 70 years. And by faith, trusted God that he would do something through their feeble attempts. Because sometimes I feel feeble. Do you feel feeble? Do you feel weak? Do you feel small? But God will use your faith. God will do something with you and in you and through you if you allow him to and trust him and have faith. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that here in a second. So flip over to chapter 12 with me. Here's our main passage, our main text here. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read the verse, first two verses there and kind of jump off from there, okay? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and what's that referring to? The other 18 plus names and thousands of other people just mentioned. Let us also... Lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Everybody stomp your foot. That's good stuff. Now this morning I want to point out just a few things here, and I told the Buffaloes a while ago, they said, oh, you're preaching this morning. I was like, yeah, sorry. But just so you know, it's some simple stuff this morning, okay? I'm not going to blow your mind with my amazing theological understanding of the Word of God. I'm going to give you some really simple, hopefully applicable things uh, that you can leave here going, okay, I can do that or, or try to, okay? Um, if you will internalize them and apply them. Listen, if you don't, you can listen with both ears Take good notes, but if you walk out of here and don't retain any of it or apply any of it, it's useless, okay? So please try to, to prayerfully ask God to do something in your life this morning. Now, um, God's done some great things in this church. I've been here 15 crazy, wild, amazing years. Never thought I'd live that long, let alone be here that long, but I've seen God do some really cool stuff. And uh, because it was our 70th anniversary, uh, by the way, Luke Blaylock, who's back there in that room, uh, thank you, Luke, for Come up with the idea of a podcast. Who in here listens to podcasts every once in a while? Okay, good. I don't, and I didn't until now, and I do some now. But Luke said, hey, wouldn't it be cool? And you know the story behind, maybe you don't, behind our podcast called Candid Church. Okay, we've done five episodes. Um, and we thought it'd be kind of cool if, um, being our 70th anniversary, if we, if we hollered at Brother Donnie and said, hey, man, you are a pastor for 25 years. Now, it's been, I think he said 12 years since he uh, stepped down. But to sit down with him and just talk candidly about God and, and this church and what he's done. And so we did that last, uh, I think it was Tuesday. It came out on Thursday. And if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just, just go to YouTube and type in Candid Church, okay? That's, there's about five episodes there. And after our long talk, by the way, who, who saw that podcast? Anybody watched it yet or listened to it? Okay, just a few of y'all. Um, it's just it's encouraging if you want to go back and listen to it. But when I was done, I said, Brother Donnie, can you just give like a real quick uh, encouragement to our church uh, and like, 30 seconds, and, and he did so. So I want you to watch this real quick video and, help, and, and, and listen to what he has to say just to kind of encourage us a little bit. Good morning, Underwood. It's hard to believe it's been 70 years since God laid upon the heart of these people to begin this church. It's been exciting. I've been a part of this church for 50 years to the day almost. I'm so thankful that the Lord saved my soul many, many years ago. I've seen incredible things happen, but the great thing is I expect greater things to happen. I look for greater days ahead, and I hope you'll be a part of that. I know you have been, and I thank you for being 
a great church. Amen. We got a great church. We really do. We have we have a great pastor. We have a great uh, body of leaders. We have a great deacon body. We have some great staff, and so grateful for that. We have an amazing uh, Sunday school group of Sunday school teachers that weekly pour God's word into people. But I want more. That'd be a good place for an amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sister. I want more, and, and I want more for not just our ministries and our church. It ain't about an Underwood Baptist church, is it? It's about the glory of God. It's about the name of Jesus, and I want more. I want him to do greater things uh, that, he had, that he's done in the past, and there's greater things still to come when we trust him, okay? <clears throat> Even better. So, kind of lost my place in my notes. There I am. So we are a great church, but we want more. So how can we see God do even more, even greater things, like Donnie said, uh, than he's done in the past through our church and through us? Well, it's going to require that each one of us do our job. Do your job, okay? That's that's the message. Top your paper right. Do your job if you're taking notes. Do your job. I need to do my job. We need to do our jobs individually, personally. And, and if we will, I believe God will t- continue to change lives, to, to transform families, to, to um, do things that we can't even speak because he's the God of all gods and he's the God of the universe. So do your job. Now, I, to illustrate that a little bit, um, you were probably tired. If you've heard me preach, you're tired of me talking about my kayak fishing days. I love to kayak fish, okay? Students, they hear me talk about it all the time. I, it's just something I love to do. I, I get away from life, from my family, and from my ministry, um, from the craziness of life. And I get out by myself on a little boat. Mine's about 12 feet long, and, and I love it. I get to just be alone with God and talk to him and, and, and go over some stuff in my heart. And, and, and there might be people that, by the way, water carries, you, you, you know, it's, that's why Jesus did that, okay? But I um, went on a boat and preached from the water. Because, but I love being alone with God. And I got out this past Friday morning. It was hot, right? hot Friday morning. I said, it's the only time I got, I got to go. Went out. I love the fish, but I'm like, mm, I don't know if I should do this. Left the house before six, got out there for two and a half hours, not a single bite. Okay. And I'm out there and I'm trying to get through some areas that I feel like the fish are going to be. I've been throwing about three or four different baits and I'm like, man, they're just not, what is going on? It's just too hot. There aren't any fish in this water, right? All of us, they ain't out here. Well, I stopped and I pulled over in this little shadow or shaded area and got a snack and got. And I started thinking and talking to God and and, and he, he just reminded me of this message I was prepared preparing to preach. Do your job, and, and he says, "Do your job, dude." You know, I was like, "What do you mean? What do you what do you fish for? Why do you go out and fish to catch fish? Right? Yeah, it's enjoyable to get out with your family or to see the beautiful nature. But the whole point that the job of fishing is to catch fish." So I was like, okay, God, what do I do? And, I, and I, I, he didn't come down and say, use this bait here. That'll catch fish. But I thought, I'm going to change it up a little bit. And I completely changed my, my, my approach to, to fishing that day. And within five minutes, give God all the glory, I caught my first fish. It's a monster, about 13-pound bass, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> um, I mean, we are Baptists, right? We don't... It was... It, <laughs> But I caught my first within five minutes. Then 20, 30 minutes later, I caught my second one. I packed up and was back home before lunch. And, but all that to say is I made some adjustments. Do you think that you need to make some adjustments in your life this morning? Can there be anything that you might say, you know, I could probably do a little better at this, Lord. I could probably adjust this in my life to do my job as a believer, as a child of God. 
What adjustments do you need to make, people? Hopefully this morning when you leave here, you'll be challenged to make some adjustments to see uh, you do the job that God's called you to do. So listen, no one likes going to a restaurant, to a store, and needing some help and, and, and meeting that one guy or that girl that just, they're miserable. They look, they hate life. They definitely hate their job. And you need some help, but they're the only one in the store, right? And you have to ask for help. And they don't like their job. They hate their job. And you have to ask for help. And they say, aisle 14, you know, whatever. Let's don't be that guy. Let's don't be that girl. Let's be the, the child of God that loves what God's called us to do, that's ready and equipped and, and to do the things that God's called us to do, to do our job when called upon God to do our job. So what is your job? What is my job? What do we need to do? Well, we need to glorify God. And we need to see lives change through our faith. And we need to see God use us for his glory in the years to come. So if you're taking notes, let's look back at that passage there in, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. The first point I want to make is that in order for us to do our job, we need to lay it aside. Everybody say, lay it aside. And I had initially lay sin aside because that was part of it. But I want to go and kind of make sure we are reminded of the weights as well. But lay it aside. What is it? It is anything that weighs you down. It is anything that gets you off track from glorifying God or doing your job, doing the purposes that God has called you to do. Now, my it could be different from your it, but whatever it is, lay it aside. Your it might be something completely different. But whatever weighs you down, whatever clings so closely to you, lay it down. First Peter chapter 1, verse 14 through 16 tells us, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. Say that again. Ready with me. You also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Lay it aside. That's easier said or easier preached than done. But it's what we're called to do. It's who we're called to be. Now, the words lay aside, are, are they're action words. They're verbs. Another translation say to put off or to, to throw off. It takes work. It takes effort to lay aside the things that weigh us down, to lay aside the sin that clings so closely to us. Now, for those of us who are born-again Christians, wh- wh- where is our sin? What happened to our sin? It's been covered, amen, by the blood of Jesus. He took care of our sin once and for all, all the sin we've ever committed, we are committing, and ever will commit. Jesus purged, washed, he took upon himself on Calvary's cross and completely forgave us of those sins. However, we must daily make an effort to lay down our weights, the things that, to get us off path and to get us uh, in, into sin. Throw off sin. First uh, Thessalonians 5.22 says, abstain from every form of evil. If anything weighs you down, if any sin tangles you or gets up near you, throw it off. Get rid of it. Lay it aside. This verse says, lay it aside, sin that clings. Everybody say clings. Not like fabric, you know, sheets, all right? But, but things like that, that, that cling closely to us. And I'm not sure what the, the author was thinking of, his own personal life. But I know we all have sinful areas, don't we? We all have sinful things. We all have sinful people that, that cling closely to us. He's very, very pointed here. Throw it down. Lay it aside. Get rid of it. Cling to Jesus. I'd like to say that in order for us to see God move in the future of our church, we must lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us. Amen? This is why we sing songs about the brutality and the, the, just the, the devastating, horrible punishment that our Savior went through. 
because of my sin, because of your sin. That's what Jesus did. And we need to be reminded of that, that he took our place, a place we deserved, a punishment we, uh, we should have been uh, gone through because of our sin. But he took it upon himself because of his great love, because of what he wants for us in our lives. So he took our place, and we need to be reminded of that. So when we do face sin, to lay it aside. And the closer we get to the Lord, the more our sin should, should, uh, should hurt. By the way, whenever I do something I shouldn't do, say something I shouldn't say, or have an attitude I shouldn't have, it bothers me. It's, it's conviction. It's the Holy Spirit saying, wait, I'm holy. And you just participated in that that was sinful, and it should bother you. It should hurt you. It should, should nauseate you. It should repulse you. Maybe you have a, a pet sin. Can I encourage you to pray God to make you nauseous every time you're faced with that sin and give in to it? Say, God, I don't, I'm tired of that. Make me physically nauseous when, if I choose that sin instead of choosing you. So we need to lay it aside. Everybody say, lay it aside. Take sin seriously because God does. Number two, run with endurance. Say it. Run with endurance. Now, if you ever had a leg injury, knee, ankle, hip, whatever, foot, it's no fun, right? Uh, I, I've got this stinking, you ever had a bone bruise? They're no fun. Right here. And it hurts. And every time I think I get it healed, it, it, I'll step off the bed wrong or I'll twist or whatever. To, and, it, oh, it's actually bothering me this morning. But it, it takes time uh, for these things to heal. Now, I've never been much of a runner, okay, I, unless I was being chased or, um, I mean, or playing sports. I love sports. I love chasing the ball around or catching a ball or whatever. And there's always been a blessing. Now, the older I get, the, the less I do that because I like getting out of bed in the mornings. That's in and when I play too much ball, I'm reminded that you're almost 50, and you can't do that like you used to. But, I do, but I've never been one to run physically, okay? However, to run spiritually, I want to do that. I desire to run with endurance the life that God's called me to, and that's my job. I want to do it. That's what we're all called to do, to run the race that God has called us to run. So let me ask you this. Why are we not seeing more runners at Underwood? Now, I'm, I'm, we have some runners. We got, some of y'all are running, hardcore, all that, the things of God. And some of y'all honestly aren't. And I'm not trying to point fingers. I don't run like I should either. But we need to be in, individually, personally, running after the things of God, running the race. Amen? And I'm not indicting. I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not saying, you shame are you. You're not running. I'm just saying, look at your heart. Look at your life. Look at your ministry. And say, am I really running with endurance, this race that I've been called to run? If you're not serving, we have plenty of places to serve. Come see us. It's our job. We've been called to run. Okay? Now, it's going to require, if we're going to run with the nurse, it's going to require that we don't miss step one because you're not going to run the race if you're weighed down with sin, weighed down with things that closely entangle you, right? Have you ever seen the, um, a, run, a, a race on TV, like a Boston Marathon? You see these guys carrying those 35-pound weights, right? It happens all the time, and they're running this 13-mile run, and they got these huge weights in their hands. No, they don't. They let them go. They're running with hardly any clothing on, right? Because they don't want anything to weigh them down and slow them down. And we got to, and if we're going to run with endurance, faithfully after the things of God, we've got to not miss step one, to lay aside those sins and to run with endurance. Everybody say endurance. endurance. Uh, the wording there could also mean to run patiently or run steadfastly. In other words, we're challenged to run with the mindset of running and doing our job and if we do that, it's going to take time. It's going to take continual, habitual effort. Um, don't stop running. Don't stop getting to the Word daily. Don't stop lacing up your shoes in the morning. Don't stop setting the alarm early to have your quiet. Don't, don't stop 
hitting the pavement or uh, every day to be a running after the things of God. It, it takes time to, to build your muscles if you're a runner. As a Christian, it takes time to, to build your faith. It takes time to build your biblical knowledge that when someone says Hebrews chapter 11, you think immediately, all of faith. Because you've endured, you're in the word, you're staying in the word. It's, and that's not to boast, it's not to say, oh, no, that's the hall of faith. No, it's just to say that I know God, I know his word, and I want to, because I've endured, I've, I've worked hard to build my muscles, to push through the joint aches, to, to push through the problems and the stressors and the, 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 the trials of life. But when it comes to spiritually running with endurance, it's going to be, cause us to be consistent into building our spiritual muscle, okay? Uh, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Verse 24, Paul used racing a lot in his writings, but he says this in verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Run after the prize. What is the prize? To glorify God, to share the good news, to, to, to build the kingdom of God, to reach the lost, to, to minister to the brokenhearted, to pray for the, for the needy. Run to set an example of love, peace, hope, joy, faithfulness of the things of God. Amen? That's our job. Lay it aside. Run with endurance. And number three, look to Jesus. Good. You are learning. Love it. I mean, really, no kidding. Look to Jesus. We sing song. He's the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. I remember those lyrics. Um, look to Jesus. It's, it's, it's overly simple, but how many of us are truly, wholeheartedly, every morning, getting up, feet hit the side of the bed, and you go, okay, God, I'm looking to you. I'm living for you. Uh, I, whatever you want today, I'm yours. What could God do if that was truly our prayer? And why not? Why not start our mornings off like that? Why not look to him with everything, every simple question, every simple desire, every simple direction? We pray and we say, God, what do you want me to do? I'm looking to Jesus. I, I like the way the NIV says, and this is how I memorized it years ago. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. That word means to, to look away from all else. To fix our eyes on Jesus. Doug constantly says that, doesn't he? He turns around, he'll look at the cross and, and he'll point out, we need to look to Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Um, I like that because the word fixing our eyes on Jesus, because if, if we're fixing our eyes on Jesus, we, we don't see all the other garbage around us like we normally would. And, and we'll see God move more in our lives. Now, if you watch the Candid Church episode, Brother Donnie and I, were talk, we talked a little bit about this. And, um, and he was talking about how over the years people ask us all the time, what, we don't, I don't know what God's will is for my life. How do I know God's will? And he kind of divulged a little bit that, that the reason we can't hear from God or not necessarily know God's will for our life is because we have so many other things speaking in our lives, right? So many voices, so many things that grab our attention to take us off of, of God's will, God's voice. We have thousands and thousands of de deterrents and distractions in our lives. Amen? You see, that's, that's, that's what the devil wants. He wants to keep us distracted. He doesn't want us to focus on Jesus. He doesn't want us to fix our eyes on Jesus. He doesn't want us to look to Jesus. He wants to get caught up in things that are good, weights sometimes that aren't necessarily sin, but they cling closely to us and they drag our attention off of Jesus. Identify those things and say, God, I want to focus on you. I want to look to you. That's my job, to look to Jesus. Now, thinking through this, it's a God thing that I can remember anything, by the way, but going through this, I was reminded of my sister. She had this very special gift growing up. Um, it's a weird gift, but back in the 80s, we didn't have cell phones. 
we didn't even have DVR, right? You couldn't, if you, if you, if mom said, go get me some coffee or go get me, refill my drink, you're like, but, 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 but. now, and you had to miss your show and you're, you're feeling like this because you, you couldn't pause the TV show. Y'all remember them days, right? And um, my sister had this, um, now we had to share our TV at the time and, uh, and, and cause you know, and, and remember the, what was that book called that showed you what was coming up? TV guy, thank you. Um, wow, that's not, I hadn't thought of that in a while. Where's anybody under the age of 30 has no idea what we're saying here? Um, <laughs> clueless. Uh, and, and, and I just remember thinking, oh, my show's coming this certain time. And we'd, we'd try to sit in front of our TV. And my sister loved the, the show. Um, okay, I'm embarrassed to say it. And if you liked it, your Little House on the Prairie. Yep. It is a great show. It's very wholesome. It is a good show. But as a little boy, I didn't want to watch Little House on the Prairie. I wanted to watch like Dukes of Hazard, right? Come on. <laughs> Jumping everything. And I love that show. That was my favorite. But she had this gift to watch Little House on the Prairie. And, and when she, it was her time to watch TV, all of us boys, other, me and my two brothers, we're doing other things. Nothing took her focus off that TV. I'm talking nothing. I would walk in front of her. I'd call her name. I'd do jumping jacks. I'd, I'd cluck like a chicken, whatever. And she wouldn't, her focus was on that TV. Little House on the Prairie, loved it. What's her little, little girl's name? Laura, yeah. Oh, that's a bad memory. Um, she was focused on that TV. Listen, what if we had that focus? What if we had that gift to focus in on Jesus? I know stuff happens. We have to do our jobs. We have to whatever. But that was our, that, that gift that my sister had to focus and to look to Jesus. What good God do with our personal, individual lives and more so with the kingdom of God here at Underwood? Don't you want to be that way? Don't you want to have the ability to, to look to Jesus and, and to look away from everything else but Jesus? Our passage reminds us there that, that Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. He's the one who begins, sustains, completes, perfects our faith. It says here that Jesus, who for the joy set before him, you think it was joyful for him to get nailed to a cross? For him it was. Lots of pain, lots of embarrassment, lots, lots of agony, but he knew because of that, he would have the joy of us coming to know him. And we could experience the joy, the love of God because of that pain that he went through. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. His joy was knowing that we would have faith one day, that we'd be standing here, sitting here in a church, worshiping him and, and being challenged to live out our faith outside of these walls. And he's worthy of our focus. He's worthy of our affections. But I just can't help wonder, what if we focus more on him? What, what, what could God do in our families? What could God do in our church? What could God do in our schools, in our workplace, in our community, in our country? If each one of us individually woke up every morning looking to Jesus, focus on Jesus, because that's our job, right? Now, in order for us to do our job, to see God move in our church, we must lay it aside, run with endurance, and we must look to Jesus. Now, as I was starting this message, we, we look back at some of the things that, um, that God did in our church or has done. We look back at the Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith there, and these, these men and women of God. But I want to ask you this question as we finish up. Do you feel like you're doing your job? Rhetorical, don't answer out loud, don't raise your hand. Do you feel like you're doing your job as a member of this church or more importantly as a child of God? What if the success of this church in the next 70 years, or let's just say five, or even next year, the 71st, 71st, 71st anniversary was up to your faith, was up to you doing your job, what would this church look like next year? 
Now, I'm going to ask something of you. I've never done this before. I'm going to ask something of you. Go ahead and close your Bibles. Pack up your purses. I want you to... I want you to gather your stuff in your hands, all your belongings, your purses, your stuff. Go ahead and put it in your hands. I know you are looking at me like, what's he doing? What's he up to? But I don't, I'm just, I want to illustrate something because we're, we're about done. I need everybody to stand up with your stuff. What are you doing, Brother Matt? Can I ask this? And you don't have to. You can say, I ain't doing it. I don't care who you are. Can I ask you to, to everyone step out in the aisle and come up and let's fill in these, these front pews. If you're up here, just stay here. Please, in the back, let's just fill up these, these parts right here. Please. I know it's a lot to ask. Can I please ask you? all Come on. Come on, y'all can do it. Come on, Davises. Everybody pile in up here in the front. I got an illustration for this. I promise it's worth it. Fill in the, the pews right here, sides, everything. Good. Come on up here. I'm never coming back to Underwood. They made me leave my seat. Good stuff. Keep on. Fill it in, fill it in, fill it in. There's some over here. If you want to here, over here, some. I love it. Feeling. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. When I first said it, y'all were like, uh-uh. <laughs> Keep on coming. There's some room over here if y'all want to come up here. Pile in, get tight. Almost got everybody. Thank you for helping me out with this illustration. As soon as we get done, I want y'all to. All right, now go ahead and have a seat, everybody. All right. Now I want you to look back. Everybody kind of look over your shoulder. Look at the room. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and about, about eight or so pews on every side. And we're not packed in like sardines. You see all those pews? You see all that room back there? What if, we, what if this is our space and both services every morning? We had to get tight because we run out of space, because God was moving, God was working, God was blowing the walls off this place. Do you want that? I do. And I heard a very heart hurting from someone I love dearly told me this past week. They had a friend of theirs that visited this church a couple months ago. And they said they came to two services. And one time they were welcomed greatly by loving, and the other time they weren't. They were ignored. No one shook their hand and everything. That's going to happen, okay? But we need to be a loving, welcoming church. We need to be a church that's ready for people to visit us, to love people, to serve people. And that's going to happen if we lay it aside if we run with endurance and we look to Jesus. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me? I, I, I want to kind of lead you in a few little prayers, if you would. And then we're about to sing a song. Will you ask God to put people in those pews? Will, will you ask God to send us families, lost people, save people that, that are ready and looking for a church to plug into? Will you ask him to strengthen you and, and to empower you to lay aside the weights and the sin that cling so closely to you. Ask God to, to help you run with endurance this race that set up before us. And lastly, ask him to show you how to daily look to Jesus.